welcome to How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? My name is Rebecca, and this is the podcast where I interview my friends and peers to figure out, well, how the fuck they got to be so confident. In this episode, I Skype with actor, writer, and director Kayla Compton. We chat about the importance of authenticity, finding a community, being in prayer, and so much more. This is How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? with guest Kayla Compton. Hey, Kayla. Hey, Rebecca. Uh, just going to do a little um, a little information sesh right now. Kayla and I used to be roommates. We've known each yes. other since middle school. Uh, so this is going to be a fun conversation. Yeah, we have many a conversations. We do. We'll be like those. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for chatting with me. I had some technical errors, but we made it through. We got through it. Full disclosure, yeah. I do have a glass of wine. This is the first interview I've done where, but I haven't finished it yet, just halfway through. Um, <laughs> so I'm excited for this journey uh, that we're about to take. Yeah, I'm on board. I don't have a drink right now, but uh, I'm just going to enjoy you getting slowly more and more drunk. Oh, that's great. Um, well, okay, I'm going to start with, do you consider yourself a confident person? <laughs> no, I do not at all. Okay. And why? Because to me, you're very confident. You are very active on social media. You, you, you are a sign of confidence. Being active. I overcompensate on on social media. No, you don't overcompensate. You are just the right amount, but you're not afraid to share your voice with people. And I think that that is, um, I think it's tricky for people in, in, in this industry in particular, because you're in the a little more in the public view than um, other professions and, you know, you have people leaving comments or whatever. You have to worry about like a like a lot of eyes on you. And so, yeah, I think it probably I mean, feels scary to post things and be outspoken. Um, but you are. How do you deal with that? Yeah, I that's very new for me, though, as you know, I um I just so I just started on the flash uh last year um probably around July and over the last like 6 to 8 months I've gained uh like almost 50,000 followers on Instagram. It still blows my mind much, whenever I see I, it cuz like uh, yeah. it was like 15 and I was like, "Whoa." And then like all of a sudden it was like 50 and I was like, "What the fuck? What happened?" I, I know. I know. Well, there's a lot of really awesome fans and there's just so many of them. Like they keep coming, like the accounts just keep coming. That's great. Um, yeah, it's super awesome. I, so like before that I literally had, I think 2000, like maybe almost 3000 followers. So it's almost that entire group of people is brand new to me and I'm, you know, new to them. Uh, so there's a weird pressure that comes along with that, that I'm just now starting to have to navigate and figure out. Um, and I, I really like authenticity. And so I try to be as much myself as I feel is appropriate (laughs) for, you know, that, that platform, you know, um, 
I was going yeah, to say, what is your true challenge. self? What does your true self want to say that you can't say on Instagram? But also then you can't say it here either. That I can't say it here. So well, honestly, like my first thought was like just sharing like poop stories or something. Right. But then I do that in real life anyway. I did that at that UCB yeah, show. Yeah, I was going to say you did that at, uh, <laughs> at our, or no, it was at, it was at JV. It was at JV's yeah. show when you were a storyteller for JV. Yeah, that was so good. That was a really good show for everybody. That was a great monologue for them to be able to play yeah. off of. I can't believe well, what's great. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say what's great about that is like no one was recording. You know what I mean? Like it was only for those people and that's it. And like, I don't need to know that that's on the internet somewhere. That's, hopefully. The, that's the really actually great thing about those shows or especially when there are like bigger quote unquote, like celebrity type of people. Um, we tell the house manager to make an announcement that there's no recording of any kind Yeah, because like you want to give people the freedom to like quote unquote fail uh without being recorded you know um if it was just like regular shows without quote unquote celebrities we don't really care but technically you're not really supposed to also it's like yeah the the uh medium of improv doesn't doesn't really play out on a record right. like when you watch it on youtube you're like this shit is weird and stupid yeah <laughs> uh, yeah so, uh, it's not something you want to like go back and watch necessarily. I, I think I did that one time and I was like, okay, so I'm not funny at all. So like, yeah. why hasn't, why hasn't anybody been like, mm, you're not good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, sure just be like, I hate myself. Yeah, too. exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there, it's not on the internet anywhere, but it was a great story and I'm glad that that 99 seat theater was able to hear it. Um, yeah, I'm glad no one here knows what we're talking about. <laughs> I know. Back to back to things that aren't inside uh, jokes. Um, okay, so what ha- what has uh, having a, a more substantial fan base, shall I say, platform? <laughs> I know you're laughing. Is like, sure. This I'm on my fans. I, you do though. You got fifty. Sure, you got fifty thousand yeah. of them. Um, I mean, the show has fans. The show definitely, definitely has fans for sure. Um, but uh, do you find do you find it hard to be confident uh, in social media in that world since we're talking about it because of the amount of like keyboard keyboard warriors that are out there willing to just like, I mean, I feel like people create fake accounts just to like. Yeah. Post mean shit, you know, and then it's like they have zero followers, they're following zero people. But like that's like a people don't realize that they're talking to real people. That you read you read the comments. Yeah. Whether you have fifty thousand followers, five hundred thousand, whatever, people see your comment and they treat you like from what I've seen, not you in particular, but just like people with a lot of followers, like they're never gonna see that comment. Like they're not even real people almost. Um Right. And it's really fun. But, like, we do. I see that. I know. <laughs> well, and, and for me, I'm in, like, this position where, you know, it's not like I have millions of followers. So when someone does comment on something, like, I will see it. Because at very most, I have, like, I don't know, I guess on, like, a super active post, I'll have, like a, like, a couple hundred comments or something, which is absurd. Like, that, to me, that's, like, that's a lot. When I get five, um, I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> And that's how I used to feel. I used to never get comments. Yeah. Um, and so I will see most of those. Or I'll at least, you know, scroll. I'll mostly just scroll for the mean ones, which is so – so, no, yeah, it's very hard to have confidence uh, sort of with, with this and on this platform. 
Um, I think there's like, you know, everyone, not everyone, but most people curate their Instagrams. They want it to look a certain way. They want to, to present themselves a certain way. And for a long time, I thought like Instagram is cool because it can just be this online resume, right? So it's not, it's not fully me all the time. Like I said, it's just, you know, here, here's the stuff I want to present. These are the things I've done. Um, and then now sort of more recently, uh, I think Instagram and social media in general is being used in a much more productive way. Um, at least with just all the social justice and black lives matter and like all these movements that are happening. I feel like I'm seeing so many more Instagrams that are like, that were like purposely curated a certain way that like look totally different now. I don't know if that's just the, the trend. I mean, the hope is that it's not a trend. Um, but I think it's cool because I'm, I'm going through Instagram and I'm forgetting to even let, like things because I'm just finding so much information and I'm just like reading so much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, totally. I hate to say it, but I've learned so much from Instagram. I only hate to say it is because I just never thought I'd see the day when Instagram was teaching me so much. You know, I, right. documentaries have always done that. Books have always done that, but Instagram was always a place where you like posted your like Starbucks coffee that they spelled your name wrong and right. like, you know, and your dog and, and that was it. But now it's become something so much more than uh, like a superficial platform, which is pretty cool and um, uh, pretty powerful. But yeah, you, I don't know. If, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was just gonna say, I don't know if Twitter's kind of always kind of more so been that way. Like, I feel like people go to Twitter to like find news, uh, but I've never been on Twitter. Me, I feel like it's either jokes or news. I think that is what it is. For some reason, it feels a little older than us but maybe I'm wrong than that but like my friends don't use Twitter but like not not to say Casey's old but he goes to Twitter for news and yeah and and a lot of his friends and people older than him that he's friends with they do that and I'm like my friends we never used Twitter I feel like I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't. I don't have any friends that use Twitter personally. I yeah, I don't either. Josiah does go to Twitter for news. He doesn't use Instagram. That's true. Um, but I feel like the new the Gen Zers, right? That's the new one. Millennial Gen, Gen. Yeah, that sounds right. Gen, That's yeah, Gen Z. Gen, I feel like Gen Zers are on Twitter. Then it skipped a fucking right? generation. I don't know. Or maybe maybe they're just on TikTok, and I'm getting the two confused. I think they're just on TikTok. I, know, okay. I mean, I know they're definitely cool. on TikTok because that's all I do. Um, do you do TikTok? No, I have a TikTok, but I'm like one of those that like has a TikTok, but I don't use it. Oh, okay. So I can send you TikTok I'm, videos and you'll watch them or no? Yes. Yes, right, I will. Right. I forget about TikTok and I'm intimidated by it because I have no confidence. <laughs> well, how do you have the confidence to post to post things that that I'm assuming – mean something to you maybe you get the confidence from the fact that they mean something to you and you don't give a shit what the response is because you know that that's truly how you feel so maybe there's something to that with confidence is like authenticity yeah definitely I that's probably when I feel the most uh confident is just when I don't give a crap what other people think yeah about what I'm doing I'm writing this down because I'm gonna recap it at the end okay don't Give a shit? Did you say that? Yeah. I guess you didn't say shit, but what? how do you want me to phrase uh, it? I might have said shit. 
yeah, I feel like, yeah, when when I don't give a shit what people, what other people think about what I'm doing or saying. Yeah. When you like know that that's something that's authentic to you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what were you like growing up? Were you a confident kid? <laughs> um, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, I'm like, I say that I must have had some confidence, right? Uh, but I, looking back, reflecting, I don't feel like I was very confident. Um, I have a turbulent parental history. Ditto. <laughs> uh, um, and so. That's a good phrase. Uh, that. That's nice. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, my mom, my, so my real mom basically left, was out of my life um, on purpose. She abandoned me or whatever um, when I was younger and I think that was huge. I think that was a really big, like, turning point for me that took away a lot of my confidence. Um, and I was oftentimes pretty hysterical as a kid. And I was constantly told I was too much. Mm, me too. Um, yeah. Because we're fours. I know. If anybody hasn't taken their Enneagram uh, quiz, ooh, here's a challenge. Take your Enneagram yeah. and then and then message it to Kayla. <laughs> yes. DM me. DM Kayla your Enneagram number. Uh, she's a four. I'm a four. I don't know. That's just a fun little challenge. Um, it's just a, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I was really emotional because of that. And I didn't know how to deal with it. And my parents, my, so my real dad and my stepmom who is just my mom now you know um didn't know how to deal with me and didn't know how to deal with that and so I got a lot of like just stop like just stop crying like just stop like being this way and so I I came to think like the way that I was was inherently like wrong mm -hmm. um because I've always been very dramatic <laughs> and like in emotional and, and empathetic and like you just feel deep yeah Yes. I I am the same way. And I don't know if it's because of, like, geographical location, because you, we grew up in the the South, quote-unquote. Um, yeah. But I feel like I was told, maybe not so much by my parents, but by, like, society and culture to, like, be more, like, um, like de maybe demure is not the right word, but to, like, Tone it down. Mm -hmm. Ladies don't have opinions. They, what does your mm -hmm. husband say? Okay, then that's also your opinion. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, it, I felt like that growing up. Um, and that yes. was the relationship I saw in my household and that I saw in my friends' households as well was that, like, the husband had the opinion, had the political views, and the wife um, just took that on. And I, I'm not sure about yeah that's just like sort of what I saw in the south and I don't know I, I don't know yeah. I'm, I'm obviously stereotyping the south and, and grouping these people but that's just what I saw about southerners or that like I didn't see a ton of women adult women that were I, I, I don't know if outgoing is the right word but do you know what I'm saying yeah yeah for sure and I think generally speaking like women little girls are, are, are brought up to, with so much pressure, right. To just be a certain thing or do a certain thing totally. and look a certain way. That's, that's, you know, common knowledge. Yeah. Um, and then it's this, it is this particular thing in the South, um, 
you know, what you're saying about what you saw uh, in your friends' families, I still see. Like when I go to visit my my family, um, I see it in my adult friends, like with their husbands, fall under that same role that like their parents did. Like it, it's, it's deep and it, it remains Mm -hmm. in the South for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not alone in saying that. Um, No. Okay. So you weren't a confident kid. So then what were you, if your parents didn't really, or maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, did your parents instill confidence in you or did they instill other qualities in you? Um, I don't want to like shit on them, but <laughs> I, I shit on my, uh, my dad all the time in this podcast. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> but um, don't, we can edit it out later <laughs> if we have a problem with it too. No, I, you know, I think a lot of this, you know, my parents are awful and I think parents do their best a lot of the time and, uh, sometimes they don't, but, um, I, I don't think I was brought up with confidence. Like, I don't think you know, I was told I had to be a lawyer or a doctor or something real. And all I ever wanted to do was be a singer and an artist and a performer and then an actor. And I was like, those things were not valid goal, like life goals same. in my household. Yeah, same. And so from an early age, again, like being told like the thing that you want or the thing that you are is like not actually legitimate is, is heartbreaking. Ah. How did you deal with it? Because you were pretty popular uh oh my gosh you were but you were you exuded confidence you were yes I'm gonna say it again you were homecoming queen and prom queen I know that's so weird yeah I don't know why we we were doing we did cheerleading together which is you know an outgoing sport um Mm -hmm. you I won Miss Congeniality in our Miss News pageant that's like one of my favorite things. That I didn't know you won Miss Congeniality. Yeah, girl, you were there. I know, but I don't remember anything. I think I've like just blacked out most of my childhood <laughs> because it sucked. <laughs> um, Me too. That's the only thing I hold on to. Yeah, this Miss Congeniality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I remember I got shit on by all the parents after that. We Kayla and I did a a a, a scholarship pageant um, yeah. at our high school and. Uh, I got shit on by all the parents because my the slit in my dress was too high. Did you know this? You did? Yeah. No, I didn't know that. This, they said the slit in my evening gown. And mind you, the, my evening gown, it wasn't, you know, made for me. I, like, I didn't, I mean, right. no, those are very expensive. Them. But I went to, like... I, I don't remember. Some dude in our town, like, had, like, all these... or maybe it was a woman, I don't remember, had all these pageant gowns from, like, previous – he was, like, a – I don't even remember. He or she was, like, a coach, right, and had, like, all these pageant gowns that other people had already worn, so it was, like, a – like, used pageant dresses because pageant dresses are Was there just, like, a shit ton of them, and it was, like, in in this big room? It was, like, in a closet. Did you go there? I think I went there. Did you get your dress there? I think so. Yeah, that's where I got my dress. So it's not, like – it was in like oh whatever I'm not gonna say the location um but it wasn't like an obscene like it was a pageant dress right you know like it wasn't just like whatever and even if it wasn't that would be okay too but um yeah all the parents should know me they said it was too sexual well yeah because you weren't being a proper southern lady I know exactly they showed a little (laughs) bit too much leg yeah fucking bitches assholes (laughs) I won nothing (laughs) 
I won. Slut, you're this the slut of the pageant. Uh, I'm fine with that. I'll take that reputation all day long, yeah, honey. I'll take that fine. reputation all day long. Um, okay, where were we? Wait, wait, we were saying something before that, though. Um, um, oh, but uh, you were really, pageant. you were, were like, you were outgoing. You were popular. People, oh. people liked you. You were likable. Um, we're still talking about childhood. We're not even into adulthood yet. So, yeah. how did you get that? How did you get that? It sounds like you didn't feel confident internally, but you did exude it externally. So I'm wondering, like, how that manifested. Um, It's interesting. I feel like up until high school, I had a really hard time making girlfriends. Uh, Girls always hated me and boys liked me. Uh, I feel like I was sexualized very young. Um... And when I got into high school, it was like this miracle. I finally had girlfriends for the first time. Uh, and for the first few years of high school, um, I, I I think I felt confident because I had just become a Christian and I was dating this nice Christian boy who was actually very sweet to me. And I had girlfriends. And um, But I... I actually feel like I wasn't as popular then. And then my senior year, I started like dating this bad boy. Uh, and I got more popular. Wait. <laughs> not bad boy, but like not this. Like, I feel like for the first three years of high How school, do I not people. Know this, do I know who this is? Yes, you know who this is. Okay, I, I just feel like for the first three years of high school, I was like this goody two-shoes Christian girl. And then my senior year, his name starts with... He's not a bad boy. Okay, but <laughs> to me, to me though, compared to like my first boyfriend, he we we went to like yes, parties yes. and drank. Okay. This is the first time I ever had a glass of alcohol. Okay, yes. I forgot about... Okay, yes. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that. I guess I just, I didn't feel confident. I feel like, uh, I feel like this new sort of, uh, attention on me was a little unwarranted or like it was because of something else. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I will say my senior year, I think I, I, I stopped trying to look like all the other, like, like all the like white girls. (laughs) Like I, I stopped trying to look like all the bleach blonde hair, blue eyed, Abercrombie wearing girls. Um, and maybe, maybe that played into like me standing out a little bit more. Would, my senior year. would you say that like that you felt like you were being more authentic and true to yourself with this like new style? Yeah, 100%. Oh. I feel like I had that before I went to high school and then I lost it. And then I started to like, be like, no, I don't want to wear Abercrombie anymore. How did you, you know what I mean? how did you find that? Like, by like being in a new friend circle or by like, how did that shift? How did that shift happen? I honestly don't know. It might've been, it might, you know, I think part, it was part healthy, like me just going, I like me just realizing somehow that like I wasn't being authentic to myself and just trying to like, because I remember uh, my first, year um going to the new school when when we met in eighth grade uh I remember coming to school in like red pumps and a purple skirt and like a black and white polka dot 
like tank top that I had sewn myself, like just ridiculous. Like, but I was, I, I like made it, made the things myself and I was so eclectic and like felt like really, uh, adventurous. I was like super in my four mode. Mm-hmm. Sounds like um, that. again for the Enneagrammers, <laughs> uh, but then when I went into high school, I think because everyone was just wearing like the same stuff that I, I got into that. Um, and then, and then it was like a healthy, natural thing. Uh, I think in my senior year, somehow, I don't, I don't really know why or how, um, but I just started to go like, oh, that doesn't feel, I don't, that doesn't feel authentic to me I didn't feel that until like recently with like my wardrobe. Like I went through stages, it sounds like, like you did. Um, but my first, you know, stage didn't even start till after graduating. And then when I went to college and I like dyed my hair and then that's the first time that I was like, oh yeah, I'm emo now. Uh, everybody get used to it. This is my authentic self. Yeah. And then eventually I was like, all right, you guys, I was kidding. That's not, that's actually not my authentic self. My thought actually, no, I lied to you. First it was like surfer, uh, uh, hippie, went to draw I went to drum circles in fucking high school I had like Grateful Dead stickers so I was a hippie and then I went emo and I was like no fuck hippies uh jam bands suck like you know we do warp tour now and then we yeah yeah so I relate to what you're saying um yeah I mean I I wouldn't say like my confidence then skyrocketed (laughs) after eighth grade (laughs) because you know then I went to college and I flunked out and then I moved to LA and like lost my shit for a couple of years so yeah wardrobe and otherwise yeah 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 so it's definitely been a full journey uh what to the extent that you want to discuss it was this this transition to Los Angeles what was that like uh coming from a small town to a big city mm-hmm. and um like what did you experience that either affected your confidence positively or negatively? Um, well, initially, even coming out to LA was uh, a really big deal in my family because my parents did not approve. They did not want me to come here. Uh, they made it very clear they were not going to financially support me in any way. Um, they didn't approve of the move at all. <laughs> and so I came here without anything. I knew one person. Um, I was literally homeless for a little bit. Uh, me and, and the one person that I knew, we slept in my car for a couple of weeks at one point. So like there wasn't any built in like intrinsic, like, uh, confidence or like support system, but weirdly at the same time. And I think it's just cause I was young. I felt like I can do this. Like, I could never do that now. Mm. But I felt like I can, like, this is something new and I can make it and I'm young and I'm like, I don't know, invincible. Um, So there was like an excitement at the same time of just being on my own and like having made that decision on my own um, that I would say brought me some kind of confidence. Mm -hmm. Like the independence Um, aspect of it. Yeah. But then, you know, for the next couple of years it was just trying to figure out who I was in this city I mean it it definitely was a culture shock being here um and uh, yeah so for the next few years 
I was rocked by all kinds of like relationships and friendships and uh, just trying to make it in the industry. You know, there's so many things that I feel like built confidence because they were, it was the experience, you know, building up to where I am now, having gone through those experiences, but also like really took away from my confidence because I had just wasted time on doing stuff that other people wanted me to do or being something that I didn't fully understand. Would you say that like these hardships that you endured um, moving to LA, it sounds like they both uh, increased your confidence and also maybe yeah. maybe short-term decreased your confidence, but long-term increased your confidence? Am I wording that correctly? Yeah, I think you get confidence just as you get older, having gone through... Experiences, yeah. Yeah, different experiences. You learn about yourself, what you like, what you don't like, what kind of people you want in your life, what kind of people you don't want in your life. Yeah. Um, what you'll accept in a relationship, what you won't. Yeah. How has religion um, affected your confidence or has it, I guess? Yeah, I feel like that's another one of those things that's just been like a kind of rocky journey for me. It's been... Uh, mostly positive. I feel like it's, it was this weird thing where when I decided I was a Christian and like loved Jesus, like that just, it's, it's hard to explain, I guess, to someone who maybe hasn't had that experience, but there's just something that like gets ingrained and feels like, um, like sort of like this intrinsic support system that I was talking about before that I didn't have. It just feels mm. like this um, solid ground that like, no matter what I know that this is truth and this is real for me. Um, yeah. So that part of it was super confidence building and my relationship with God, like has only grown um, via all these experiences um, and then also, you know, religion is hard. It's like Christianity is hard when people, you know, not everyone's going to think the same thing when they hear Christianity. When you hear, you know, when someone says something about middle America, middle America, evangelical Christianity, you think one thing. <laughs> and then when you think of like Los Angeles, you know, hip, trendy, uh, sort of, 2020 church it's very different mm -hmm. um and so I think in the journey so when I became a Christian when I was 16 throughout that journey until now there's been all those different stages of like figuring out what church was figuring out what community was for me figuring out who God was to me um that that is hard you know yeah. like any other experience one of the one of the coolest things about you I don't think I've ever told, maybe I've told you this, but one of the coolest things about you, I think, is that you found religion and Christianity on your own. Like, and I mean that because you did not grow up in like a religious household. Is that right? Yeah. And yeah, that's true. It, and I feel like sometimes people are um, like grandfathered into their religion. You know, they get mm. baptized young. They live in this. They, they are brought up in a religious household. So it just makes sense for them to follow in whatever religion their family had previously sort of instilled in them. But for you, you like found it 
on your own without like, like on your own accord. And I've always thought that to be like Mm. so cool. And I don't know why other than that it's like truly something that means something to you. It's meaningful to you, you know? And I just respect that a whole lot. Um, Oh, thanks. Yeah. I just, I just, I really, I really think that's great. Um, And I'm not even like a, you know, I'm a spiritual person. I'm not necessarily a religious person, but I've always, always respected that in you. And I just think it's the greatest thing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I, I like to think, no, 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 that's, I thank you. I mean, I appreciate that. Um, Yeah. It's funny. I mean, the, my three major boyfriends, my whole life, including my husband, uh, have all been pastor's kids. And so I've been in very close contact with like that sort of thing that you're describing where it was like, they've been Christian since they were five years old. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, and a lot of them have had, you know, really meaningful interactions with God. And I think had to make their own decisions later in life. But yeah, it, it is kind of a unique thing to not have grown up with like all the songs and the summer camps and the like, you know, knowing who this Christian person is and that Christian person, but stepping into it. And for some, some reason, something just really making sense to me and then deciding on it. Do you feel like religion and, um, your relationship with God has given, uh, made you realize like your quote unquote purpose? I was talking to, I say this because I did an interview with a friend of mine, Darius, who, um, has a very close relationship with God and he was talking about like, a, Oh my God, I'm going to sound like an idiot, not a lecture, but what do you call it when a preacher, a preacher's like giving you a sermon a sermon? Yes. Oh yeah. my God. No. <laughs> fine. And then I said, Oh my God. Uh, great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, That's fine. Uh, but he was talking about a sermon that he saw about the power of purpose and how like once he found his purpose, he felt like his confidence went up do you Mm. do you like relate to that at all or is that something like kind of different for you um I mean so initially even just being called like religious gives me like a weird oh really like I I wouldn't call yeah I wouldn't like I wouldn't even say I'm just because I have a negative connotation with religion so like I would just like, you know, like religion as in like bigger church and sort of the organization of like, like organized religion has really let down and not only let down has, has like killed people. Like it's awful. It can be awful. Um, so I even have a hard time saying, saying that, that you're religious, religious. Um, what would you say spiritual or just like a Christian? I, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I guess I am like religious. Well, I don't want to say, I don't want to like label. No, no, no. I just think it's so funny. I just have such an allergic reaction to it. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not religious, but maybe I am. I mean, I just like to think that I'm, there's just so many different connotations of Christianity. Uh, But, um, and it's so personal too. What was the original? Yes. Oh, I was just going to, I was just saying that like he was talking about like finding his purpose. 
in this yeah. in this sermon and um, how that really helped him with his confidence. So I didn't know if you've like heard a sermon that like resonated with you or it doesn't even have to be religion. Like we can we can sidestep from religion and go to like a fucking TED talk or, you know, yeah, what the, right. to me, they're all talks about gro- yeah. growth as a human um, yeah. and living as a human in this world. So I, whether it's a sermon, a TED talk, a talk with a therapist, have you heard someone speak about something that has made you feel confident like a lot of people I feel like are probably like oh yeah Brene Brown I feel like that's like one right that a lot of people feel yeah for sure I mean yes there's been uh tons of sermons throughout my life um that have really spoken to me and I've um been really inspired by pastors certain pastors in my life um who I just like totally get on with like what like what they're sort of view is. Um, and so there's definitely been those, I feel like I've not ever really necessarily been one of those people that's like, Oh, okay. Now I know my purpose. Like, I'm not one of those people that's like, God wants me to be an actor. Right. <laughs> like, okay, I don't okay, okay. think like, I, I don't, I don't think it's like, um, I've just never felt like that. Yeah. I think, I think in terms of purpose for me, the thing that I, uh, try to, stay true to and that really resonates with me is um just trying to be good to people um that's my doggy hey hey come here what's he barking at come here come here does he hear a human my neighbor hey hey oh there's a little man oh no he's a sweet little man oh no this is gonna last for an hour no i'm just kidding stop that was good Thank you. My really, tongue didn't look at me. He calms down. That was quite really a bit. that was really impressive. Sorry, <laughs> it's fine. I can edit this out if it becomes an issue. Um, <laughs> but so far, it's not. I'm gonna leave it in. Uh, Great. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a different path. How has com- how has community? Actually, you know what? I'm a, I had what? A, I had a question written down. I'm changing my I'm changing my thought. Ooh, ooh, do it. How has, and I ask this because I just got a dog. Uh, has having a dog attributed to your confidence at all? Um, I feel happier. Yeah. Having a dog. Uh, do you make me confident, Ruth? He's like, yeah. I, I feel it because. It makes me like step out of, outside of my comfort zone. Like for instance, mm. like I have to call the fucking vet to make an appointment. And that may sound like a tiny thing, but like for someone with anxiety, I'm like, I hate calling people. Oh my God. I fucking hate it's, calling people. It's the worst. And so having a dog, I like, I have to call the groomer. I have to call yeah. the vet. I have like, I have to do things. I have to take him on a play date, which means I have to like talk yeah. to my friends who have dogs and ask if we can have a play date. Cause I want him to be, I want him to socialize, you know? And mm. so like that has forced me out of my comfort zone and, and in turn, has boosted my confidence in a way that I did not expect having a dog would do. I was like, oh yeah, it'll be great. He'll be cute and it'll be, it'll be fun. <laughs> but I've actually learned a lot about myself through it. So that's why I was going to ask you now that Rue's in the oh, room. Interesting. If, if yeah. you felt anything like that. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Plus Rue is such a people person. He loves everyone. And so everywhere we go, he 
he literally will sit and watch a person walk by and just be like, why aren't you petting me? Like he wants everyone to look at him and touch him. Um, and so I get a lot of attention because of this dog, because he's the cutest dog in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's, that's a whole other thing where like, I have to be, you have to be like on in a different way. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause you're like interacting with all these people. Um, that's confidence building yeah. for sure. Yeah. That's what I've found at least. Um, yeah. And again, I've been a dog owner for all of like four days. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what do I know? Uh, uh, how has the other question I was going to ask, um, community, you mentioned community a little yeah. bit. How has community yeah. or has community given uh, affected your confidence in any way? Like the friends that you surround yourself with, whether they were negative friends that you mm -hmm. discovered weren't good for you or really positive friends. How has that affected your confidence? A ton. Yeah, I've had um, really bad friendship situations, as you know, uh, that, I mean, just obliterated confidence along with kind of everything else in my life. Um, just because, I mean, we've talked about this before and I know you're like this too, but I have one or two or three yes. very close friends and acquaintances, but not, I'm not one of those people that has a ton of friends. Same. Um, and so the, those friendships are very important to me and I can become like obsessive in them and then they end up kind of ruling like my life or my emotions, uh, based on like if they're okay with me or if they're mad at me or you know what I mean like I, I've just been in uh some codependent situations that have really rocked me um but then I've also been in good sort of more of what I would call community situations where like actual like church communities um with people who are very different from me um who don't look like me, but we all love Jesus together. <laughs> and there's like this sense of like, we've got each other's back. And um, there's, there's this um, expectation that you should spend time with those people and actually be in relationship with them. And you learn about other views and in turn learn about yourself. Like those friendships have felt um a lot more constructive mm. a lot more positive in my life yeah um yeah it's hard because we I was a part of a church um up until recently for quite a while and I was on staff at the church and I did pastoral care stuff I mean I was super involved and then our church kind of dissolved um and a lot of those friends have all kind of scattered and gone to like different churches and different places. And I feel like I, I definitely feel a loss, like not being mm. as connected to that community. And I haven't had a community like that since I've been uh, over a year. It's really um, hard and, to find that as an adult. especially. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so like, I feel it kind of in the improv community, but like mm. right now with all the theaters potentially shutting down and also 
being very problematic for BIPOC and LGBTQ and and sort of the veil being lifted. It's like this community that I thought was so strong and great we're seeing has flaws and it's just really hard to find a community that you jive with, you know, who like lifts you up in a positive way. And also not only lifts you up, but lifts up, lifts up the, the people around you who need it more than you you potentially, you know, that is such a hard thing to find. Um, right. So when you talk about like a loss with your church dissolving, like I resonate with that for sure. Right. Um, right. And that's definitely what a church in particular should be doing. Right. right? Is like lifting up the most vulnerable. Right. As a BIPOC, has that impacted your confidence in any way growing up or currently or in Los Angeles or in life in general? Do you have any thoughts on that or? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I didn't know I was really a person of color. I think until recently, like, I mean, I did, but I, I don't even know. So I'm half, so I'm half Mexican on my mom's side and, uh, and my dad is white boy. Your mom's Mexican and your dad's white or we don't know what your dad is, but we know your mom's Mexican. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Um, yes. And so, but I grew up because my mom wasn't in my life. I grew up in a very white neighborhood. Right. Um, our school was very white and, I knew I was different only in that, like, I, you know, I thought there was something wrong with me because I didn't have the blonde hair and I didn't have the blue eyes and I always wanted those things. And like from so, so young, I like begged my mom to let me dye my hair blonde. (laughs) And she was like, no, it will be orange. It will look ridiculous. And she was right. Um, And so there was, that and I feel like with not having my mom in my life and like my dad not ever really talking to me about that side of who I was um and being in this school and community um that I'm sure that did something to my confidence growing up um but I didn't fully realize it until very recently I'm starting to go like oh I like my identity has truly not been very clear to me Mm. most of my life like I've I still like and so now I'm like I want to cling to like that the Mexican side of me because I'm like I haven't known that like I want And then I, you know, I was, I didn't grow up with my mom. So I don't know, I'm learning Spanish now, but I didn't grow up speaking Spanish. And so I feel like a shitty Mexican. Like I like, so there's like all these kind of like things. That sounds really hard to balance that. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like, I feel so, it feels so like uh, unimportant because I'm not just because of the conversation we're having now in terms of like the black community. And I don't feel like, I feel like I benefit from white privilege 1000 million percent. Right. And, you know, I'm not trying to say I was like anything like that, but I will say like my identity has never really been very clear to me. And I'm only just recently trying to suss out like those parts of me and really figure out who I am. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that makes sense. That, that makes sense to me. If you grew up, truly grew up with a white father and a white stepmother 
who did not, um, no slight on them, but did not bring the Mexican culture into your life in any way, what else would you know? As Until you get to being a woman and then you're starting to investigate more uh, about your culture and how that affects you. It, it's kind of a cool, it feels yeah. like a cool transitional time for you though, like as a person, um, getting yeah. to know half of you that you, you know, didn't, you that you weren't in touch with by no fault of your own um, before, you know? Yeah. I mean, even like going back to, I just recently was in Florida and kind of realizing just how racist Florida is mm, yeah. <laughs> and can be, I mean, like every place is and can be for sure, but just going like, oh, like I hear jokes about like Latinx people or Hispanic people and like I never took offense to it before because I didn't realize like they're talking about me yeah like I never I didn't realize that before it's just it's that's how ingrained it is is that like that didn't even because I was never I didn't know what it meant mm -hmm. you know what I mean mm -hmm. I don't know I don't know if that's making sense no it makes but total I just, sense like even in my own household yeah. I just go like oh it's so sad that like no one celebrated like that Totally. Part of me. Totally. That is really sad. I mean, it's not a pity party. I like hate to be like, I'm. It's at not all. a pity party. It's. That is really sad. That's half of you that right. was not even talked about, you know? And it's not like our fucking history classes, even if we want to get into a historical context of, you know, uh, Mexico or any other countries, that our history class does a shitty job of that too. Like, I, I yeah. recently am learning so many things that I had no idea about in our history yeah. that I was like, yeah. didn't learn that. Didn't learn that. And if you're, you know, if your parents aren't teaching you that, how the fuck you're not going to know as an eight year old or whatever to go out and learn about your, your ancestry. So yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Um, yeah. Our history books are fucked. Yeah, they are. Well, what has given you confidence as an adult? Um, Ooh, we didn't yeah, even I mean, talk about we didn't even talk about uh, martial arts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Martial arts gives me a lot of confidence. And I was gonna actually mention martial arts when we were talking about community because I feel really lucky to be a part of that community. Um, the girl it is mostly girls um, in my class, and then we have uh, our our teacher whose name is Alfred at Fit Arts. Go check it out. What I'll type of martial it. arts is that again? So it's an Afro-Brazilian martial arts called capoeira. Um, and it's, uh, the movements are very flowy and almost dance-like. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very, um, grounded, uh, like some, we have to use our hands as like feet, you know, we mm -hmm. do flips and handstands and there's a lot of, um, sort of elements to it. Um, it's super good for core strength um yeah I don't know why I'm like just describing the workout well, how but has that like given you confidence other than it sounds like the community is really great but like the action of that itself yes. yeah. how does that uh contribute to your confidence yes thank you for keeping me on topic I got um, <laughs> I got uh, um yeah the community itself is great um our teacher is doubles as like a motivational speaker he's just amazing and he's so 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 good uh you 
you have to just let go of your fears when you're doing mm. this sort of thing. You have to stop thinking and just move. We do a lot of what's called a hoda, which is like a fight circle. Um, and in the circle, like you can't be thinking about your next move and you can't be worried about what you're going to do. You're just focused on the other person and what their body is doing. Can you hear me still? Yeah. Okay. I think my he headphones are maybe dying. Um, and so there's this sort of element of it of like, like it's not a, just about you, you know, mm. it's, it's about getting and getting in touch with your body and like being super grounded. Um, you know, we get in trouble for like, for like parts of our, uh, like if our hands aren't fully touching the ground when they're supposed to be touching the ground like you have to be really really connected to the earth and like disciplined um, in that yes yes disciplined there's also a musical element we play a lot of songs and we play um drums and like there's this really awesome musical element that helps with like your rhythm historically like the music element has been a huge piece of it and so our teacher like makes us like sing really loud he's and it's all in Portuguese and so he, cause it's from Brazil, you know? And so he's like, I, I know you don't know the words. This isn't your language, but I need you to sing out just whatever you hear. Um, and so there, again, it's just this thing of like, you're a part of something else. It's not about your ego. Ooh, that's big. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's like, it reminds me a lot when you're talking about this. It reminds me a lot about uh, a lot of, oh, my God. It reminds me a lot of, I can't even speak anymore, um, improv. <laughs> it's all that wine. I know. It was only one glass, too. Uh, it reminds me a lot of improv um, mm, and, like, yes, being exactly. present and in the moment. And, like, there is no time to think about anything. You just have to, like, be present and move. So, be present yeah. and, like move forward um right uh right because in this if you're not present like you will get kicked in the head right which has happened to me gotta be present um <laughs> yeah that's so interesting it's crazy too like talking about um like movement and physical activity I was talking to my therapist about this is a little off topic but it still has to do with like moving your body I was talking about how sometimes I'll get I have like a cycling bike and sometimes I'll get on the cycling bike and I'll be like, I really don't want to do this. And I sit and I think like, do I not want to do this because it's hard and like I could do it, but I just don't want to do it. Or do I not want to do it because it's not right for me today and that's okay. And like mm. just sitting with it and like talking to myself almost by be and, and, and listen, more like listening to myself and what my body needs. And I just feel like moving your body is so linked to confidence mm. mm -hmm. like I really truly feel like you have to be in your body and not in your head um yeah and I always used to think of confidence and just like a lot of things as coming from my headspace and yeah getting the answers there when when I connect with my body I already know you know like trusting yeah. your gut and like uh, listening to yourself. I, I just feel like moving your body is so important and it's often overlooked. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there almost every time before I go to class, I'm like, like before I actually leave my house, I'm like, I don't want to go. Yeah. <laughs> but 
it's like literally just the act of getting in my car and starting to drive that I'm like, okay, I feel better. But like, I, I resist it because I think there's a vulnerability to being in your body. It's like with acting, being in your body is, is most of acting. Mm -hmm. It's like being in your body and saying words and it's vulnerable. Mm -hmm. It really is. I was not to keep talking about therapy, but I had therapy before this. So it's just kind of in my head. (laughs) Uh, about like, why don't we do the things that we know are good for us? Like, why Mm. do I resist Mm. moving my body? Or why do I resist doing my 20-minute meditation? Like, and I know that those things are going to be helpful to me. But instead, why do I choose to stay in in bed? And, And I'm not saying that it's not important to honor your body and on those days that you need to stay in bed to fucking stay in bed. But... When we're ignoring what we know is beneficial to us, I always wonder, like, what is that resistance? Where yeah. does that come from? And I think it does have to do with vulnerability. It's like yeah. we don't want to fail or we don't want to – I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that as I'm speaking? Yeah. I mean, well, it makes me think of um, sort of this big conversation – everyone's having right now about white supremacy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I swear I'll make this make sense. Um, but sort of, I just see so much resistance in myself um, and in other people to like uh, address like my own like issues and my own white supremacy, like where, where that is in me, like how I've uh, been culpable or yeah. uh, been, been a part of this system that is killing people. Um, there's such a resistance to, to look at that part of me, because if I do like, it's not pretty, like, it's not, it's not going to be fun. It's going to be super vulnerable and I'm going to have to be faced with who I am truly. I'm going to have to really look in the mirror and be faced with who I am truly. And I think it's just so much easier to go, no, I know who I am. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what it makes me think of is like that same sort of vulnerability of like, of like doing the thing that's good for you. Yeah. Right. And have, and having to like see yourself on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I, I hope that all, uh, uh, people who have white privilege are, doing right now is that like really hard work where you're like well I'm not racist so I'm not part of the problem but it's like no you are you still are because you're not like actively and I have I have I've also had such a hard time being like why am I doing this now why haven't I been doing this for years and years and years why haven't I been calling these uh uh what said whether it's city council or you know the sheriff's department or whatever why haven't I been doing that why haven't I been donating to charity is one thing, but like really investing in knowing about the oppression and the uh, systems that are in place and actively dismantling it, Mm -hmm. actively dismantling that or why haven't I been doing that? You know? Yeah. And that's something that I've been dealing with. It's like, why am I doing this now? Why haven't I been doing this before? Um, Well, what, and you can, I don't know. I'm sure you would agree with me. I mean, I'm not sure, but I feel like I know you, I feel like you'd agree with me about the, about therapy. And like, I feel like I can say about, you know, working out or being physical. It's like the more you do it, the more 
willing you are to do it. Totally. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's so that it's just like, it's just like actually having to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to put the work in, you know, you have to put yeah. the work into all these things. Just like on self-care and self-love, you have to put the work in. You have to go to therapy or have, you know, um, my sister-in-law has a, like a spiritual advisor at the church that she goes to, um, who is like a counselor. Um, Mm -hmm. and she goes to that person and it's like, you know, it doesn't have to be therapy. What I'm saying is it doesn't have to be therapy specifically, but whatever it is that helps you self-reflect, you know, you gotta do, you gotta put the work in. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people aren't, aren't even ready to accept that. Yeah. But you know, do you back back to confidence before we wrap this up? Do you do anything on a day to day basis that gives you confidence, um, or maybe it's before a day on set uh, to sort of pump yourself up with confidence, or wherever you may, uh, wherever you find yourself, where you need a little bit of confidence? Do you have like a routine or a mantra, or do you do anything to give yourself that? Um. <coughs> Okay. Hey, Josiah. Rebecca says hi. <laughs> so does the rest of the world. <laughs> we're, we're, tell them we're wrapping up. Yeah, we're at, we're we're wrapping up. Okay. Um. Oh, uh, you know, I mean, I should do more daily. I I. I rarely ever feel confident. Like, I feel like I do things that make me feel, like, good. But I guess that's confidence. But when do you feel, like, authentic? I feel like to you, confidence mm. equals authenticity. Is authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's a better way for me to think of it. Um, I, I just feel like I'm constantly studying and writing. And I try to be in prayer regularly. Mm. Um, I should do more like meditation Mm -hmm. and like really suss out time for that. Um, but I think prayer is huge for that. Um, and then, and then working out, like those are the things that are sticking out to me that like, yeah. And I'm, and I just feel like I'm always trying to get better at things. And so I feel, um, yeah, yeah, I feel authentic and I guess confident, um, when I'm pursuing something, when I'm acting, when I'm like actively doing. Yeah. All right. I'm going to, um, read off Kayla's list for confidence. So many things. All right. Authenticity. Be yourself. Don't give a shit independence, experience in life, support system, find a community, don't think, just move, be present in the moment, get in touch with your body, get grounded, feel the fear and then move through it. Mm. It's not about ego. Be in your body, be creative, learning and pursuing, be in prayer. Damn, that's it. That's and it. then you'll be, and then you'll be confident. Oh, hi, Rue. Just as confident as me. Rue, Rue. He's a little man. Is that he's a little, little man? Boy. Oh. You know, baby. He's gotten so big. Uh, well, I mean, he's a big boy. Thank you so much for talking with me. Um, 
you know, it's always a always a treat to chat with you. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, as a four to a fellow four, please come over anytime with your dog, and our dogs can yes. play. Uh, and hopefully, Rue can get Professor out of his shell a little bit. Oh my gosh. Yes, he will. I, I want to do that as soon as possible. Let's set a date outside of this podcast. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? I'd love to hear from listeners about things that have helped you build your confidence, whether that's a mantra, a routine, maybe a favorite book or an event that you went through. Leave it in the review section. Or if you have a question regarding confidence that you'd love to hear discussed on this podcast, you can leave that in the review section as well and I'll check it out. Thanks again. 